Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading and knockout reminder that I'll be joined every single Monday live on TalkSport 2 by Gareth A. Davis to dissect all the latest from the world of boxing and MMA. 2021 is set to be a huge year for boxing, both in the UK and abroad, and we'll have you covered every single step of the way. If you can't join us live, make sure you subscribe to the Fight Night podcast to ensure that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, you can also check out some of the other great boxing programming, the likes of the Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and the boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Good afternoon, everyone. If you love your boxing and you love your MMA, then this is the show for you, Fight Night Extra, where myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis are looking forward to some of the biggest fights that could and should happen in 2021. Today, we're going to be discussing Dylan White's redemption win, that massive win over Alexander Povetkin in that grudge rematch. We'll speak to Carl Frampton trainer Jamie Moore ahead of his fight this weekend. The massive fight for him against Jamal Herring. Will he become a free weight world champion? And we'll also be chatting a bit of MMA as well after UFC 260. Francis Ngannou becoming the first African UFC heavyweight champion. This is Final Extra here on TalkSport 2. Today's show, we're going to try and kick things off by talking about Dillian White. Um, look, Gareth, massive, massive win. And welcome to the show, Gareth, as well. Massive win for Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin. Just because, look, we heard all the stories that Eddie was saying beforehand. If he loses, he doesn't know where he goes. You know, they're going to be the demons of that knockout. And it was a vicious knockout back in August. And uh, Eddie Hearn's back guard in the fight camp fight. It was a such, I thought, a good performance. It was one-way traffic from the very first round. And Dillian White's back. Dillian White's back, baby. He is back, and I, I reckon that he's moved himself into the number three heavyweight position in the world, is my Ooh, view on it. Really? And I think, 
Oh, yeah. I think he moves ahead of Deontay Wilder, mm. and he's in pole position at number three. If anything goes wrong uh, with the fight that they're trying to make between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury for all the baubles, mm. I think he gets a look in. I really do with either man. Um, it was a hard-hitting, heavyweight weekend of thwackery, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, we, we heard it in the lead in there. But over in Vegas, yeah. I know we've got... Carl and Jamel Herring, who were slightly smaller men, but it was all about yeah, thwackery at the weekend. And, and I thought what was impressive about Dillian White as well was that you could see the mental scars maybe from the first fight because mm. it was a very cagey. Um, they were both throwing for the, uh, for the fences from yeah. that opening round. Yeah. But, you know, White did the job. He carried the promotion. He did a brilliant job. I think Povetkin's probably shot now, mm. believe it or not. Um, I think he's probably finished in, in, in those echelons in the division. But, no, for me, White did exactly what he needed to do, and he came out of there unscathed. And it was a tremendous finish as well. Yeah. And he got the revenge with the left hand. Yeah, and I, I agree with a point we made there about Povetkin. I mean, look, Povetkin's legs didn't look under him from the first round. And I don't know if this is... Like, I don't want to take anything away from Dylan White's performance but I don't know if there was still a bit of the COVID about him. He, he didn't look like the Povetkin I've watched, but then again, you know, he's 41, he's had some tough fights, and maybe it's just a case of that was catching up with him. Looked heavy on the scales, didn't he? It wasn't the Povetkin that we remember, right? We've been watching Povetkin since the get-go, and that wasn't the same Povetkin, but let's not take anything away from Dillian White. That was as yeah. good as it gets. I mean, obviously, like Harold Knight in the corner as well now. I do wonder what that would have brought to the table as well. Well, you mentioned Harold Knight, of course, a part of... Uh... Um, Lennox Lewis's team all those years ago, the last undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. But there's a saying in boxing, you know, with regards to Povetkin, is that fighters can grow old in one night in one fight. And I think we saw it there mm. uh, on Saturday night in the Rumble on the Rock. And and I think, you know, you know, I know you'll ask me where does White go now, but I, how I really... did you know I was going to? How, how did you know this? Well, well, because it's logical, brother. Come it's on, logical. okay, okay. It's I was going to ask you well, because if we were sitting at a bar, we'd be asking each other and answering e the same questions. Basically, um, they they were poo pooing after the fight, um, uh, Eddie Hearn and Dillian White taking on Deontay Wilder straight straight away, and Trevor Bryan, the regular WBA champion, has been put in the mix. But for me, here's what they had to say, and I'll respond to it then. Box quickly again in the summer. Yes. Maybe let's go over to the States, have a fight over there because you know there's a log jam. Listen, for me, we called for the Deontay Wilder fight for a long, long time. He actually DM'd Dillian White and told him, I will never ever give you that fight, right? He's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And now he got knocked out. He's calling for the fight with Dillian White. So for me, that's a stadium fight. That's a colossal fight. But you know, that was a lot of pressure tonight. I'd like to get him back out quickly in the summer, maybe go over to the States and have a big fight as well. And, you know, the ultimate game aim has always been for Dillian White to change for the world heavyweight title. Yeah, you're right, Gareth. Look, there's Dylan White's promoter, Eddie Hearn, um, saying it. Deontay Wilder is the fight. And look, I was going to ask you, you're right. You obviously read my mind. What next for Dillian White? I personally don't want to see a Trevor Bryan fight. I understand it. I understand why you would do it. Trevor Bryan's a WBA regular heavyweight champion of the world. It makes sense. But come on, Deontay Wilder, Dillian White, fans back, stadium. It's epic. And then the winner, if we do get to see AJ Fury, the winner rightly will fight the winner of that. Don't believe a word of it that they say that they, they, he would never give him the fight. Of course he would. Dillian White is a warrior, a mm. proper warrior. He will fight Deontay Wilder. It's a brilliant matchup. 
um, Wilder's power, his coruscating one-punch power against Dillian White, marching forwards, oh, trying to get fantastic. him out on the end of the jab and landing his left before Wilder lands his very fast right. Keep the bully on the back foot. That's what Dillian will be thinking the whole training camp in that fight. Just what Tyson Fury did. Don't let Deontay Wilder bully you. He's a brilliant, supreme athlete, a huge human being, but get him on the back foot and he's vulnerable. Fury's proven it. The thing is this. Um, if what it's White's not given to it very often, but mm. if he wants a kind of tune-up fight in America now and staying busy fight, he will take it. But I, I do think that the Wilder fight will come off. He's after it. Um, I think they either do it in Vegas or they do it over here. I think over here, like you say, in a football stadium. Dillian told me going into this Povetkin fight that he said rather like David Hay and Derek Chisora those years ago, they'll need a cage between us they will. for all the no, press no, no, conferences. No, no, 100% they will. He says, and if he says anything to me, I will slap him there and then on the spot. He waited a thousand days. He didn't get his fight when he was in position to fight for the WBC title. If anything, apart from the fire that's under Dillian White for another fight with Anthony Joshua, like you said, he'd fight him every weekend if he could. But the, apart from that one, the fire is lit for him to knock out Deontay Wilder. That is a big, big fight, believe me. Hey, look, the most important thing for any boxer, particularly the heavyweight division now where there's so much money, is options, right? I mean, Dillian White now has options. If not Deontay Wilder, there is talks about Andy Ruiz. I mean, there's Charles Martin's been mentioned, so he has options. I want to quickly talk about the other fights on the card. I want to focus on a young kid that made his debut just because of the stick he's getting for making that debut, and that's Campbell Hatton. And as we do, I went onto social media and you've got a few armchair boxing fans that were critical of his debut. And I was like, he's 20, what is he, 20, 21 year old? He's making his debut. Maybe he shouldn't have been so high up on the card, but Ricky Hatton literally saved British boxing for so many years. He's up there because of his dad's name. What do you make of the stick he's getting for, for that debut performance? I mean, I don't remember most people's debuts. I mean, Bernard Hopkins lost his debut. Why is exactly. Campbell Hatton get so much stick? I, I reminded people of that quite right that you mentioned that Bernard Hopkins lost his debut. Um, well, I mean, you look, he, it's purely because of the name. He looked a little bit over-eager. Yeah. Everyone was expecting a body shot knockout during the four rounds. It was a four-rounder against a guy who was 0-10 in Jesus Ruiz. Um, I was waiting for that again. But, 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 you, you, know, you in this Spanish-speaking <laughs> accent of yours. <laughs> All the time. Right? But, but no, it's wrong to give him stick. But no, he's going to get stick. Mm. It's the 10-80-10 rule, remember? Yeah, you're right. 10% yeah. always hate you. 10% always lovely, love you. And the other 80 swing in the middle. Mm. Look, he did what he had to do on the debut. He must have been incredibly nervous. Ricky Hatton made his debut in a leisure centre in Widnes. Matthew Hatton made his debut at the York Hall. He made his debut living on a super yacht with, with you know, in, in, off the off the coast of Spain. In a big pay-per-view event. In a big pay-per-view event with massive publicity mm. when people are really hungry for those kind of things at the moment. He did what he had to do. He's got a very, very brief amateur career. Um, I, I, I bet... He, he was out of breath as soon as he was fighting because of the nerves and the excitement. 100%. Yeah, so, you know, they were happy enough for the performance. We spoke to Carol on Talk Sport, Carol Hatton, on Saturday night, um, Eddie, just like an hour after his performance. And she said she couldn't even watch his grandmother, this is, mm. Ricky and, Matt, uh, and Matthew's mother. And she said she had her husband, Ray, giving her the commentary because she couldn't look at the screen. No, no, She's I, going I through double nerves. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think everyone remember, was. Yeah, we remember know? the 24-7s where he's a little kid. 
Well, you know, and, and yeah. so just to see him now fighting was strange for me. But look, Campbell Hatton, I'm sure, will, will do well in his career because he's got a good team around him. You mentioned Ricky. He's got Matthew. He's with 258 Management as well. So he, he'll be guided very, very well. Look, we are going to speak to Jamie Moore, trainer of um, Carl Frampton, a bit later in the show. Let's quickly talk about that, though. Carl Frampton, Jamel Herring this weekend. Carl Frampton's bidding to become a freeweight world champion. And for me, that means one foot in the Hall of Fame, right? If not both of them, if he wins. Tough task, though. I mean, Jamal Herring's a massive, massive man for the division. The fight's been postponed a couple of times, but finally they get it on. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, Jamel, brilliant, very tough character, brilliant life story, incredible narrative around his journey in life. You know, a former U.S. Marine, and he's been through things, terrible things happening, you know, to one of his kids um, passing away. Yeah. And he's, he's a great character, but, it, it, you know, he's 5'10", as opposed to five, Carl's 5'6". So That's generous. A, That's generous it, for Carl, 5'6". Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think you're more 5'4 and a half, personally. All right, well, that's fine. You can take that up with him yourself. But, um, <laughs> but, but you know, um, Jamel Herring has, hasn't been in with the same... Hasn't had the same body of work that Carl's had in his yeah. seven world title fights. You know, through the Scott Quiggs and the Josh Warrington's two fights you know, with um, Leo yeah. Santa Cruz. Mm. You know, he's been in, Neonito Donne, he's been in with really brilliant fighters and he always holds his own, yeah. if not betters them. So, you know, Jamel knows that he's in against a guy who's, I think, Carl's 32, 34. He's, Carl has said, if I lose, I'm retiring. And that signals to Jamel that Carl's putting everything on the line. I think both of them have that mentality as well. I actually think yeah. Jamel probably would have retired after his last fight, the performance. Was probably wasn't one of his best, but look, outside problems. But I think both of them have got that, like, almost if we if we lose, we're done. So I think both of them come in uh, really, really fired up. We will, as you say, be speaking to Jamie Moore a bit later, who's out there and is kind enough to join us and, and speak to us about preparation and what they expect from the fight. I've got to quickly ask you, and we're going to touch on this at the end of the show, UFC 260, Francis Ngannou, the first African and UFC heavyweight champion. I mean, he, you, know, you know, Gareth, as soon as he stuffed the first takedown... If I'm Stipe, my heart starts beating there. I mean, if I can't get him down, we have a problem. Well, I went out on a limb last week. I told you I thought he'd do it this time. You did. I, thought, you I think did. he's developed. Like you, you made the great point that Kamara Usman was in the corner with him mm. and, and has been working with him in camp. Kamara Usman being the UFC welterweight champion, who is an extremely brilliant wrestler. Yeah. And it's brilliant for Africa, brother. Oh, come that, on. That you've got the middleweight, the welterweight. Cameroon flags and the we yeah, man. That's brilliant. I mean, what a story as well. I know we're going to speak about France's life story a bit later on in the show, but it, it was brilliant. And like you say, once he showed Stipe that he had control of that first takedown and even stayed on the ground. And I'm thinking, no, get up, get up. That's I, was like you're that as well. I was like, what is he doing? Why are, you, why are you that comfortable on him? But again, it goes back to some of the wrestling he's been doing with Kamaru. I know he's been, Kamaru has been in camp with him and speaking to him about the wrestling. And look, there's not many better wrestlers in the UFC than Kamaru. And I think that experience has helped him. Oh, definitely. Look, I mean, it's a brilliant moment for uh, a wonderful man in Francis Ngannou. And this is going to elevate... Um, MMA in Africa, it mm. could take a, it could mean a UFC event going to Africa. Do you think you know? that'll happen this year? I, mean, I think the, bat the battle ba in Battier would be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> You've already got the name for it as well. But no, realistically, Gareth, I mean, how, how far away are we? I mean, are we close? Is it a case of infrastructure? What is it? What's the reason? Because, I mean, I obviously, look, I lived in Nigeria for a couple of years. And look, the, the infrastructure maybe isn't there as much as they, they would want it to be, but it's there in South Africa. It's certainly there in Senegal. I've been to Senegal recently. What's stopping an African event? Um, nothing, actually. Mm. And I think this will now be the catalyst for it.
Um, uh, you know, and there's we, we know that there are so many fans of mixed martial arts on the African continent. So um, it, it will be sooner rather than later, in my view, Eddie. Certainly will be. Uh, what a great start to the show. Remember, we're here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. If you've missed any of the show and like to listen again, then you can check out our podcast over at talksport.com under the Fight Night banner. This is Fight Night Extra on Talksport 2. <laughs> Well, a Redman just appeared yeah. on the forehead of, of He's got him again. And again, and he wobbles again. Lives a left hand, gets him on the floor. White makes the breakthrough in the fourth round, just as he did back in the summer. But he's all over the place, and Victor Lockley says that'll do it. He gets his redemption. He gets his revenge. He gets his reward. It is Fight Night Extra with myself, Andy Oladipo and Gareth A. Davis. Gareth, let's continue the chat about Dillian White. Um, look, we're going to play a clip from him in a minute where he talks about the preparation and the build-up to the fight. I mean, where is Dillian White, do you think, in his mindset? He's not happy with Eddie Hearn. He, he, he obviously, that Eddie Hearn-Anthony Joshua relationship is never going to happen between Eddie Hearn and Dillian White. Where is Dillian White? Is he focused? Is he? Should he be moaning about things that he doesn't need to moan about? Well, I mean, I don't think he's moaning. I think he's putting his case, Eddie, that, you know, um, Eddie needs to look after him and find him the right fights. Um, he is now the interim WBC champion. He was trumpeted by the promoter, Eddie Hearn, on Saturday night. And and so he, he needs that kind of treatment. Mm. He and, and I think they should be looking for a Deontay Wilder fight for him. Yes, there's huge risks, but there's huge risks every time Dillian White fights. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, um, he's just looked brilliant in the last three or four years. He's a genuine box office fighter who's learning and progressing in front of us and, and has just gone through a 20-week camp where he revealed afterwards, remember, he didn't even see his... Hasn't even seen his newborn son. Yeah, yeah, that yeah? was that was crazy. I mean, that revelation, and, and that's and as he said, that's what warriors do, and that's what he is. He's a veritable warrior, and we need to respect that about him. Um, and I think you know he's just asking for respect, nothing more than that. Yeah, and he certainly deserves it. I mentioned at the top him not being happy with his camp. Let's listen into Dylan White when he spoke about that now. I still believe I can be a real champion. I can be anyone. I carry power. I can be anyone. You know, obviously. This, this camp was a bit annoying because of the reschedule. It, it messed with me a, a lot, big time. You know I mean, I was in much better shape than this, but because of the the deload, the, 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 the you have to stop and start and stop and start. And then I changed up my nutrition as well. Obviously, I've been getting major help on the nutritional side and stuff. Obviously, my strength and conditioning guy and Simon, uh, they stayed with me all over Christmas. You know, what I mean, to a good train. So, man, you know, you had to pay tonight, man. Yeah, look, it has been a difficult camp, and I think what, what he's mainly referring to there is, look, we know the fight was supposed to happen in November. This is after the first fight in August. It was supposed to happen in November. It didn't happen. It was supposed to happen in January. Povetkin pulled out with COVID. It's now happening, or it happened uh, last weekend. I actually think it served him well that the fight was delayed so much. I actually thought it was a bit silly, and I have to be honest, Gav, I thought it was silly for him to be knocked out the way he was knocked out and then speak about going in and fighting in November. I think he needed the rest. I needed. I think he needed long, a bit more time with his new training setup and training team. I actually think that the fight happened and when it happened is perfect for him. I think it worked out perfectly. Well, it did work out perfectly, obviously, um, because he got a brilliant highlight reel knockout and it was a stellar performance in terms of him controlling most of of the fight itself so you know he will have gained in confidence and put you know a ghost in the cupboard to bed basically mm. a skeleton in the cupboard to bed so um no I think I think the frustration because I spoke to him about that myself was 
the 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 fact it was it was constantly being rescheduled in yeah. the background he's having a a son about to be born yeah. he doesn't come home at all mm. you know he's frustrated because the covid scenario you know i've been to spain and back in the last 10 days 11 days it's a nightmare traveling at the moment so you know um it, it, he didn't get exactly what he wanted but i think he will be feeling very strong mentally now um, and will want to move forward. He'll want a, a roadmap, a route through 21, 22, um, because he knows that he's frozen out in lots of ways. But Dillian's mentality is always to be ready. So it wouldn't surprise me if he had a little bit of time off and he goes back into camp again in a couple of months' time. Can, can I ask you about, and we're going to move on very quickly, I just want to ask you about the extra responsibilities that Dylan White puts on himself right now. Obviously, he's a manager, and I mean, you look at the fight card on the weekend, and I think what four of his fighters fought on the weekend. Do you think that's a bit of a distraction? I mean, we see it with boxers, right? A load of boxers fight, and, and they manage fighters as well, but not many have that many on the same card as well. Do you think that's a distraction for him? No, I think those people coming up with him in his wingspan is only going to fuel the man himself. I mean... Look at the incredible sportsmanship that Dillian showed at the end of the fight I when he that. really hurt Povetkin, yeah. carried his stool to Povetkin's corner because mm. he wanted Povetkin to have somewhere to sit down. Um, it's a mark of the man. He's changing. Um, he, he's, he's becoming... He, he doesn't class, classify himself as a role model, but in Miguel's gym in Brixton, he he's a very guy. big yeah. figure. He's he that guy, exactly, as you would say. He's that guy. He's, he, a, he's, a, he's a fundamental figure there now. And I think... You know, with Harold Knight saying, I've never seen, I've never been with anyone who trains so hard. I remember he was with Lennox Lewis, Harold Knight, his trainer, and he's a teacher. And, and the point about um, Harold Knight is he knows what he's looking at. And I agree with him. Dillian White will be a world champion one day. I've always thought it. He's got that in him. He will do it until he gets there. It might be the end when he, when he wins the world title, but it might be the end for him. He might walk away. But he is a guy with an incredible backstory who's incredibly resilient and knows how to come back. Yeah, um, come back. It could be the fight next that we're looking forward to in terms of a final eliminator, another final eliminator. But that fight could be uh, Deontay Wilder. Uh, we uh, spoke to former, uh, I say former trainer, because he was well, part of the training setup for Dillian White, wasn't he? Dave Caldwell in the fight camp. He was on Sports Day a bit earlier, and he was, he was asked about the Deontay Wilder fight and said it's a good fight for the fans, but a very, very big, risky fight for Dillian White. It was perfect for us all that are fans and that are just neutrals and that people that are sat there watching it because that is going to be some special fight. The build-up will be special because of personalities in there, but then the fight itself will be an absolute tear-up. But it's another dangerous, hard fight that's a roll of the dice for Dillian White. Mm. You know, while he's waiting for his world title crack, he's again, if he takes something like that, again, he's rolling that dice where there's every chance it could get knocked out. Uh, so... You know, if you if if you're in the Dillian White business, you're going to be nervous of that sort of fight. But as for us fans, listen, yes, that, that's the fight that we all want to see. Yeah, I think it's fair to say if you are in the Dillian White camp in terms of promoter and management, yeah, you'll be nervous because it's Deontay Wilder. And we've seen what Deontay Wilder has done to the likes of Luis Ortiz and Dominic Brazil and not too uh, distant past. But if you're Dillian White, that's the fight that excites you. Deontay Wilder, who you've gone back and forth with. I chuck another name in for you as well, Gareth. Andy Ruiz Jr., because he will get past Ariola. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. I think it's fair to say he will get past. Who would you prefer out of those two? 
Oh, definitely Deontay Wilder. It's a different level fight to Andy Ruiz. Um, you know, if anything, I'd like to see Andy Ruiz fight Anthony Joshua again rather than Dillian White. As an AJ it, fan, that, I don't want to see that. I'll tell you yeah, now. Yeah, but that's I, why I'd, rather, that's why I'd like to. But that's why I'd like to see it. Mm. Um, um, look, di- look, Dave said it there. Really, it's a risky fight, but it's one you want to see. We all want to see that fight. There's so much on the line, it, and and but but it, it's got that ingredient. It's got Dillian's got a reason to fight yeah. Deontay Wilder. He's got mm. a grudge. He can get up for it really well, easily. selling this world, keep going. So, so, well, but it's true. I mean, we would be, we would feel the same. This is a guy, you know, Dillian White in, is in a position in his life now where he's refusing to be denied. Yeah? Yes. And this is that fight. This is what it should be called. Refuse to be denied. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's what it should, they should call it that because that's what this fight is all about. Wilder thinks he's better than White, thinks he's, White isn't on his level. White has proven, in my view, and I'm saying it here on our show today, for me, White is the number three in the world now because, Dil- because Deontay Wilder has been inactive for 14 months. He's done nothing uh, since the the, 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 the the terrible defeat that he suffered at the hands of Tyson Fury. Oh, he sold that one well, Gareth o. Davis. Deontay Wilder versus Dillian White in front of what? What are we thinking? Does it do Wembley? Out of interest, if 90,000 fans come back, does it do Wembley? It, it might do. It might do if it was if it was kind of a precursor to to um, Joshua and Fury and it was part of the same package. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know, I don't mean together in the stadium. No, but no, no, no. I'm, I'm not sure it's beforehand. quite a 90,000, but if they sell it well enough, it's got potential to do that. Um, but it's definitely a, a 40,000 football stadium in the summer. No 110%. question about it. All right, you're listening to Final Extra here on TalkSport 2. Remember, we're here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts, just like what we're doing. If you have missed any of the show and like to listen again, then you can always check out our podcast over at TalkSport.com under the Fight Night banner. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Another one, right hand this time, and it's hurt, it's all in, it's all over, the crowd's got in, the fight's over, his corner have pulled him out, and 
Carl Frampton gets the stoppage. A tremendous performance here. It was another big right hand to the body. Left hand to put him down in the eighth round. Right hand did it this time in the ninth. And Carl Frampton has got rid of this tough Australian. This is Final Extra with myself, Adi Oladupo and Gareth A. Davis. Look, I don't know what you're doing this weekend, but if you don't have plans, then you've got to be make sure you're watching the big fight on the weekend. It is Carl Frampton as he takes on Jamal Herring for the WBO Junior Lightweight Strap. Carl, been to become a free weight world champion, which, I, look, we're talking one foot in the Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. In fact, two feet, two feet in the Hall of Fame if he gets this one done. It won't be easy. But it will be helped by this man, Jamie Moore, his trainer, who joins us now. Jamie, where are you? You in Dubai? Hi, guys. Yeah, we're over in Dubai. We've been here for a couple of weeks now. Uh, Jamie, I've been seeing um, sort of snippets behind the scenes with Carl. I saw him the other day on um, the treadmill. Absolutely looked in fantastic shape, going through the paces, asking for the speed to go higher and higher. As most people are asking it to go lower and lower. This is a yeah. good Carl Frampton right now, isn't it? He certainly is, mate. He's, um, you know, obviously people people say it all the time, a bit of cliche stuff, but he's literally the best condition, the best mindset, the best um, form he's ever been in since he came with me, um, mm. which obviously he's going to need to be because yeah. of the magnitude of the task at hand. But um, but if he's ever given himself the, the best chance to pull this off, he, he's done it with, uh, with all the hard work. Jamie, it's Gareth here. Um, I hope it's going well over there in, in Dubai. I'm really looking forward to it at the weekend. Um, the fact that Carl said this week in, in, in one interview that if he doesn't win, he will retire. We know he's going to put it all on the line. I was saying earlier to Addy at the top of the show that Carl's body of work makes him a favourite in this fight for me, regardless of him stepping up to a third weight division. Do you think he can actually stop Herring in this fight? And go on. Give us a game plan right now. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give too much stuff away. You know, you know the way it works, Gareth. But um, <laughs> I, this this fight, when initially from from the outset, when this fight was mentioned, I liked it straight away. I I yeah. was never a big fan of Carl going up to super featherweight because of the natural attributes he'd give away, and and you know it's a stacked division. Um, but I always liked this fight for Carl for the only reason being that from from a a tactical point of view and from a um, you know look, looking at it from a fighter's from a stylistic standpoint mm, yeah. it really suits Carl for me you know Herring does have attributes in terms of height and reach advantages um, but every single person who Carl's ever come across has had height and reach advantages <laughs> over mm, him mm, you know mm. he, 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 he's, he's quite short even for a super bantamweight so for me that tells you a story in terms of, you know, I, I, I think it's more awkward for Herring in that sense. Here he's got a punch downwards. Carl can make it awkward for me. He's coming at him from different dimensions and angles than Herring will have ever come across before. And then we've seen in, the, in, in these last few fights that he can be shaken, he can be vulnerable and, yeah. and hurt a little. And the stuff where people have put Herring into difficult situations, Carl's really good at. So, 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 yeah, yeah, you know, there's a lot of questions to be asked in terms of car moving up her weight and stuff, but I believe he answers them. Not only that, he more than answers them, and, and he sort of wins this fight emphatically. I honestly believe that. 
You're, you're, you're a formidable um, boxer yourself. You're a very formidable figure. You always have been. No one wants to tangle on the cobbles with you, I suspect, still. But, <laughs> but, 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 um, I'm 42 now, Gareth. I'm doesn't matter, up. Jamie. Yeah, yeah, matter, mate. We only need one look from you, mate. It only needs one look yeah. out of the corner of your eyes. Yeah. The old haggler look. Um, if you, you, you've worked with Amir Khan, even Tyson Fury. You know, loads of names. Martin Murray, loads of guys. Um is Carl's skill set, because he is incredibly brilliant with his timing, has he got one of the best skill sets you've ever worked with? Absolutely. Um, I've, I've said that to him from day one. Uh, his judgment at distance, um, which is obviously a massive part of his style because of the dimensions of him. Um, his footwork, and it's key in this fight. Timing. And that's key in his fight, in this fight, isn't it? That is the key Absolutely. thing in this fight. And, timing. And, and, and this yeah. is the thing, Gareth. You know, a lot of people think that you know does Carl Frampton need to make this a bit of a fight you know get on gun get on Herring's chest and not give him the mm. room to work of course he does mm. in parts but I firmly believe Carl Frampton can win this fight from a boxing standpoint as well you know he's got such a good jab um he's his his judgment of timing and distance from the outset you know all his life he's spent um overcoming height and reach height and reach advantages so I've no doubt in my mind that not only can Carl drag him into the trenches and outwork him, he can outbox him as well. So, um, so my big, my big thing all the way through this camp for Carl is your decision making's got to be good. If Herring wants to box, then you make him uncomfortable. If Herring wants to fight, then you outbox him. You know, you never play your opponent's game. You're always, you're, you're always um, play your own um, cards and. As long as he stays one move ahead in, in from, from a sort of chess point of view, I, I believe he wins his fight big. Jamie, I want to talk about um, the postponements. Obviously, we've had Carl's had his injury. Uh, we've had, it's been postponed this fight a couple of times because of the pandemic as well. Yeah. How difficult has that been to make sure that Carl stays mentally tuned on? Look, I always see the jokes you and Nigel Travis have with, with Carl. So it's always, <laughs> it always looks like a fun camp. But mentally, how difficult has it been for him to deal with the postponements and the injuries? Yeah, I mean, it's never easy with postponements, and you know, I think you're right. I think, no, I, I'm not just gonna sort of got, you know, yeah, it's, it's all down to us. I've got a gym full of fighters who are great characters, great to be around, and they all the camaraderie is brilliant. So, so you know, me and Nige added to that sort of mix. I think it's a, just a great blend of of everybody knows when we need to get the hard work done, but. Either side of that, we're all friends. It's not It's not yeah. just a working relationship. We all get on really well. So that makes it so much easier. I mean, you know, who wants to go away and work with a mate for three weeks? You know, <laughs> in, 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 in a normal job, you wouldn't want to do that. But we've, even though it's difficult being away from our families, um, we, we've had a really good time here, although the work's been brutal. Mm. So so it definitely makes it easier. And, and and I honestly believe when Carl came to me nearly three and a half years ago, he hated boxing. He fell out of love with it. He didn't want to be doing it anymore. It was a means to an end. And he's 34 years old. He's, you know, he's, he's coming to that latter part of his career. Yeah, he's going like he could still go for another two or three. I don't want him to. I want him to, you know, go out on the top, go and enjoy the rest of his life with his family. You know, Christine and the kids, he's spent enough time away from them. Um, so, so I don't want him to keep fighting. I want him to retire as soon as possible. But he's got a big job to to achieve first. Jamie, am he, I reading? He's still in, got it. 
Sorry, James, am I reading into too much with what you just said there? Is it a case of if he does win this one, becomes a free world champion, again, like I said, puts himself into the Hall of Fame, are you wanting him to walk away after this? If you're asking me if I'd like him to walk away, yeah. my answer, I've got to be honest with you, I would like him to walk away. Mm. Um, if he hit, so two, oh, just over two years ago, we sat in the changing rooms after the Josh Warrington fight and Carl was heartbroken. Mm. And I sat with him and, and he said, that's me, I'm done. And I said, good, I'm glad. Mm. You get to spend the rest of your life with your family now, you've earned it. And at that point in time, it felt right. But for some reason... I had this overwhelming feeling that that had happened for a reason. Mm. Didn't know why at the time. And I said to Carl, I don't know why, but I've just got a feeling this has happened for a reason. I'm sure in a year or two, we'll look back and we'll go, that's why. Fast forward two and a half years. We're sat in Dubai on the verge <laughs> of Carl becoming a freeweight world champion. And, and, you know, Josh Warrington, the guy who beat him, has just lost to an unknown Mexican. Crazy, isn't it? Now, Crazy. a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, I said to Carl, do you remember that conversation in the changing rooms in, in Manchester after the Warrington fight? I don't know why I had that feeling. I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. And when we look back now and you connect the dots backwards, the lessons what he took from that loss, I believe he will now put into practice and, and it will give him a better chance of beating Herring than it would have done if it had not had that experience in the Josh Warrington fight. Yeah, and yeah. Now we can understand why he's gone through that to get to this stage. Well, you talk about the morale, Jamie, um, that brilliant little series that uh, Chris Lloyd has made on you guys. Um, you oh, can fantastic. really see exactly. And, you know, because um, Dillian White was telling us that 20 weeks in camp was doing him in and he hasn't even seen his newborn son. What a warrior he is, eh, to do that. Um, wow. that yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but that you could see the morale, the camaraderie, the, the strength of... Unity is always strength. And like you say... There's a great unity, and you always create that. I've got to say, props to you because you're, you're someone with a, a lot of life wisdom, and you always bring that life wisdom to your commentary and to your teachings in boxing. And I applaud you uh, for that. Um, do you Thank think? You, well, it's a pleasure. It's absolutely. Well, it's always been a pleasure dealing with you and working with you. Um, the the Bob Arum I spoke to by the other way, the other day, who's Jamel Herring's uh, promoter, is very concerned to give you a bit more um, kind of a boost. Is very concerned about this fight, and and he feels that Herring is in for a is the toughest night of his career. Basically, um, do do you when you um, see things like Carl's shorts having he's got hundreds of messages on his shorts hasn't he going in there do yeah, you think yeah. he's not just going to be the, the uh, a three-time a uh, three-division world champion he's going to be the first Irishman ever to do it for me I don't know about you but even regardless of what happens on Saturday night do you think he'll be inducted into the International Hall of Fame eventually I think so and I think rightly so as well you know for what I'm, I'm a big believer in the bigger picture and and Talk, you know, going just a little bit back to where you're just talking about the, the camaraderie in the gym. I, my, one of my big things is boxing's part of our life. It's not all our life. And I think some people get that confused. If we yeah. can get it to work alongside our home life and our family life, you, you're always going to get more out of your fighter because they'll feel more comfortable. And they trust you. I, I, my fighter's best interests are always at my forefront. I will never put a win over my fighter's safety ever, mm. ever, ever. Mm. 
because I want them to go home to the family. And that's the main important thing because they've got the rest of their life to live after that. So, you know, Carl's being inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame would be a fantastic, unbelievable achievement. And I say it would be, it will be. I believe he'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame because not only what he's done as an achievement for his sport, but what he's done for Northern Ireland itself. Unbelievable. Bringing, you know, we, we all know about the, the conflict in, in Northern Ireland and the problems he's had over the years. Carl Frampton's one of those unique people who've brought both sides of the communities together as one. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. That's not just about his boxing attributes. That's about him as a man and as a human being. So he deserves to be recognised for that accolade as well as as his boxing achievements. Jamie, look, we wish you all good luck. Um, I'll be tuning in. I'm sure Gareth will be tuning in. I'm sure millions will be tuning in as well as Carl bids to become a free world champion. Good luck. It won't be easy. And it's not supposed to be easy, is it? That's, that's what we love about boxing. It's supposed to be a tough test and it will be against Jamal Herring, but I am more than confident that Carl will get the job done. Uh, good luck. And um, look, hopefully, promise us, speak to us next week once you get the title. Mate, we're back over on home soil on Sunday or Monday. Yes. And then anytime you need me to get on and talk about the fight, well, we're there, no problem. Top man. Honestly, top man. Cheers, my man. Uh, Jamie Moore there, trainer of Carl Frampton, who, as I said, bidding to become a free world champion, takes on the current WBO um, junior lightweight champion, uh, Jamal Herring. Should be a good fight, that one. A one that I think Carl can definitely win. All right, you're listening to Final Extra here on TalkSport 2. Remember, we're here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. If you've missed any of the show or would like to listen again, then you can check out our podcast over at TalkSport.com under the Fight Night banner. Myself, Adi Oladipo, and Gareth A. Davis. Gareth, I mean, let's talk about it. You heard the commentary there of John Anik and Joe Rogan, uh, Francis Ngannou, the new UFC heavyweight champion. That final punch, the hammer fist. I mean, if you want to end the show, oh, brutal. I mean, he's just a brutal man. I mean, he's so vastly improved as well. Like, Stipe Miocic will go down, I think, as the greatest UFC heavyweight of all we've ever seen. But, I mean, there was a 30-pound difference between them. And... And Garner just looks like he has it all now. Takedown defense, he, his striking's got a lot better. I mean, he was throwing high kicks. He threw a high kick. He's 265 pounds, six foot five, he threw a high kick. I mean, his game's becoming complete. Absolutely it is. Um, and the great thing about him as well is that he is a genuine super heavyweight of, this, mm. of the heavyweights. So he'll always, you know, he probably walks around at two, probably cuts 10 pounds during camp. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, he's, about, you know he, he's a slab of muscle and athleticism, isn't he? He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, with a great story to boot, you see. That's the great thing about him. There's a narrative about him coming out of poverty in Africa, mm. working as a teenager in the quarries. He's got hands like shovels. He yeah. probably used them as the shovels at the time. I mean, he is enormous as a human being. Um, brilliant now. And, and, you know, beginning to 
emerge as a rounded fighter. When he came into the UFC, he'd only had five years MMA experience. He'd gone to France. He was, you know, you look at the journey he made. Several times he tried to leave Africa on boats and was caught and sent back. And he eventually made his way to Paris. He was homeless on the streets there for six months. He wanted to become a professional boxer. He dreamed of being heavyweight boxing champion of the world. That's why I'd like to see him and Joshua fight sometime. What a big African tear-up. That would be Cameroon versus Nigeria, eh? Look at your <laughs> face. You are grinning about that one. You know, because you know, could... I've never thought of that before. And I was like, mm, I wouldn't mind that as well. I'd love a boxing match between those two. It would be so much fun. You know, look, um, it, it was a crowning moment in the history of the UFC. You know, MMA is a very young sport. And so there's all these milestones all the time. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we now have a welterweight champion, Kamar Usman. We have a middleweight champion in Israel, Adesanya. And we have a heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou, all of African descent. Yeah. And it's brilliant to see that in the sport. Because no, it's it part of the sports evolving, um, the, the techniques are evolving, but so the countries involved evolving. And, and he's going to be a flagship fighter now in the development because the heavyweights mean, you know, you, 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 lose your, you, you're, you, lose your, you lose your cool when heavyweights fight in yeah, front look, of you. It's that, just that, unbelievable. That, that's all we've wanted, right? And this is no disrespect to Stipe because, again, I mean, how many title defences has Stipe had? He, he, he will... Want, rightly go down as one of the, the top right beyond that Mount Rushmore but he doesn't really sell a fight you don't think of Stipe and think the baddest man on the planet you think of Francis Ngannou and there's no doubt this is the baddest man on the planet but there's another baddest man on the planet as well and that guy is John Jones who look, I think is the greatest UFC MMA fight we've ever seen He's walking around now around, I'm hearing, 248 pounds. He's a lot bigger. He's got the help of Stan Efedrine, who's a, who's a power lifter, a strong man, to help him bulk up. Will we see John Jones versus Francis Ngarno, which will be, I don't care what anyone tells me, the greatest, biggest MMA fight of all time? Will it happen? Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. I think it'll be at the um, Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas <laughs> once big crowds can come in. We want 60,000 people there. You know, it's going to be... Incredible, Eddie. I mean, you know, we know that we just know going into that fight, if Francis yeah. Ngannou lands, he will knock John Jones out. <laughs> no one's ever managed to get near John in that way. Mm. Um, the only person to really bash him up um, was Alexander Gustafsson in mm. their first fight. I was there working TV at the time, and it was an incredible night. They both hobbled off to hospital together, or John hobbled, and, and I think um, that was Jones, Alexander... Though, on a bit, that was Jones on a bit of drink and, and a few other things as well, wasn't it, though? This is going well, to be a full-on yeah. Jones. Yeah, this is well. I don't want him to get too heavy. No, I mean he's got a massive frame, six foot five, um, very you know, eighty-five inch uh, wingspan. Of course, he's famously long, um, but I don't want him too heavy because his smarts and his movement yeah, and his yeah. poise and his balance are going to have to be right in in the heavyweight division. Um, but like you say, it's a matchup for the ages. Um, the greatest and most successful, I think, UFC fighter of all time. Um, maybe in the whole of MMA. Um, you know, you've got to look at Fedor's 10-year yeah, reign yeah, as a heavyweight. Yeah. Fedor Emelianenko. Well, although at about, Pride, I mean, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, there was, there's a few dodgy fights in Pride, but I, I agree with you, Fedor's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, but I think what you've got is, is a moment in time. I mean, I think promotionally... Um, You've got everything in that in that fight. I mm. mean, Francis is an incredibly um, gentle man outside. You know his his kind of thwackery, That's as I'm calling it. That's what makes him so scary, Gareth. Is that he yeah. speaks so softly 
And yeah. then there's this giant of a man. What is he? Six six, six five. As you say, yeah. walks around around two hundred and eighty pounds of muscle. He looked two weight divisions above Stipe on it, it Saturday night. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Someone yeah. asked me just before we went on air and said it looked like a two fiver fighting a heavyweight, yeah. and I was like, no, no, no. Exactly. That's guy. That's that guy's a super heavyweight. That's why. It really is. Uh, very quickly, just before we uh, we we end, um, you did speak to Amir Khan uh, the other day. Um, he's talking about a Kell Brook fight. It annoys me, if I'm honest with you, just because I wanted this fight so badly. Um, it's not going to happen, which is disappointing. Before you do that, though, let's quickly listen to what Kell Brook, ha- sorry, Amir Khan had to say. I mean, look, there was a fight that everyone wants to see. Everyone wants to see the Kell Brook fight. But they've been talking about it for years and years. Look, me and Kell are probably, probably past our best, I'll be honest. But at the same time, we both are the same age. I think it'd be it'd be a good fight between us to see still who the number one is in Britain. So uh, I told Eddie, I go, let's make it happen. Uh, Eddie said no problem. He spoke to Kel's family, and Kel's father is he interested in it. He said no. He goes, we're not looking at all the options. Now, what other, what other option is there for Kel Brook to make a good payday and fight someone? With a big name like myself, you know, uh, because there's not that many, unless you fight for so you fight someone with a world title mm. or in America. So I'm thinking, I'm scratching my head, man. I'm thinking, like, what's he going through? Like, what's going on with Kel Brook? How come he doesn't want to fight? Let's make it happen. Gareth, I have to be honest with you, we haven't got long left on the show. I'm infuriated hearing that. It's actually making my blood boil when he, he's acting like Kel Brook doesn't want the fight because what Kel Brook's stuck in Amir Khan. I mean, come on, Gareth, when you was on there, you could have bashed him back. I mean, Kel's wanted that fight for nearly 10 years. He's wanted that. that that's Kel's money fight for 10 years. And now all of a sudden, both of them, at the end of their career, he said, oh, I want to... Stop it, Amir, please. Listen, Ricky Amir, Hatton... Stop it. Ricky Hatton never fought Junior Witter, and yeah. that was a fight that should have happened. You know, Lennox Lewis... Um, never fought Riddick Bowe. Bo yeah. dropped his belt in of dustbin. There's massive egos involved in, in fight sports as well. They'll be debating about what weight it should be at. Mm. Um, so that's another thing. Kel will struggle um, to make. I mean, so Amir will struggle to make 147 nowadays as well, though. He's a, he's a big boy, and you can see that in Big and Bolton the, <laughs> yeah. at home with the Khans on the BBC uh, iPlayer. It's a series on at the moment, isn't there, with Amir and his wife, Ariel? Yeah. Uh, I watched the first episode last night. He was on top form on Saturday night when he came in on fight night. And look, I hope they get the fight signed because it would be brilliant to see those two step into a ring together. It certainly would be. Gareth, my man, as always, thank you very, very much. Fantastic to have you on. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 